0: In this episode... We look now at how we work on our culture, right? Because that's the one thing that the competition can't offer. Welcome, you're listening to the Collision Buzz podcast presented by Driven Brands, the largest automotive franchise organization in North America. Collision Buzz is a show that dives into the collision repair industry in support of the independent body shop owner. Each episode will feature guest leaders and operators from all aspects of the collision repair industry to discuss the challenges, solutions, and insights that have helped each week's guests in their journey to success. Stay tuned each month for new episodes to come.
1: Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Collision Buzz podcast. My name is Sabrina Thring, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer for our U.S. Collision Companies at Driven Brands. Today, I'll be hosting four other leading women from our organization that exemplify the leadership and work ethic of the very best among us. In honor of Women's History Month, we've decided to do a special edition of the Collision Buzz, honoring women in collision. So let's get started with some introductions. We have Eve Knudsen from Abra, who has two locations and one Chevrolet dealership. So, Eve, tell us a little bit about your story and how
0: you got into the collision industry. Well, thank you. We have always had a body shop. So, it started when my grandfather started the dealership in 1939. And being third generation, raised in the auto industry, that was just part of our operation. I hired a new manager in 2014. And about that time, we started talking about the challenges that body shops were having if they weren't part of an MSO. So we were delighted when Abra reached out to us and asked us if we would be interested in partnering with them in our body shop, in our Chevrolet dealership in Post Falls. From that, we grew to add another location in Spokane, Washington. So I hope that we continue to be successful and add more locations. Love it. Thanks, Eve. We've
1: got Pat Fahey from Carstar Canada, who's also a multi-site operator. She's been with Carstar since 2003. Pat, why don't you tell us a little more about your story, how you got into the collision industry and you know some of your vision?
2: Yeah, I started my career in uh, the secretarial field, and I have worked 20 years in the oil and gas industry in the plastics and petrochemical sector, working my way up into the executive levels and eventually in the accounting areas. I joined Robert, my husband, in his collision repair business in 2003. I thought it would be a good opportunity to apply some of my skills to growth and development in that area. So 2003, here we are in 2022. It's hard to believe so much time has passed. Anyway, we have been working together for probably about 18 years now, and um, we're actually still married. How about that?
1: That's an awesome story. Thanks, Pat. And then we have Mrs. Wendy Murray, also side-by-side side with her partner in crime. Wendy owns two Car start locations and recently just purchased Three Fix Auto stores. So definitely want to talk about that. And I think, Wendy, you're celebrating your 40th wedding anniversary. So lots to talk about. Tell us more about your story and kind of what your vision
3: is for 2022. Good morning and thank you for having me. So I grew up in the industry. My mom and dad had a business from the time I was probably about three. I didn't enter the industry until I met my husband. I was 14 and he started working for my dad and mom. We went on our very first date when I was one month from being 15. He took me to dinner we've been together since. He worked for my parents for six years, went on to another shop, worked there for five years. And then he left and started our business when I was pregnant with our second child. But we made it work. We've been a family business. We've had all of our kids have worked for us at one point or another. It's in my blood. I love it. We treat our people as family because that's what we are. So that's how I got here. And we joined Car Star. We saw the writing on the wall like the rest of you. And it's been the best thing we've ever done business-wise.
1: Excellent, thanks, Wendy. And last but certainly not least, we have Selvi Risk Menard. Selvi owns two fixed auto shops in Southern California. Definitely has a ten year of experience in the industry in different roles, and she's operated her first shop since two thousand and nine, and I think expanded into her second location in twenty eighteen. I know Selvi is the mom to three boys that I get to watch on social media. Very beautiful family, and like the rest of us women on this call, are juggling the true meaning of work-life balance. Selvi, what didn't I tell them?
4: Hello, good morning. I started my career with Enterprise Rent-A-Car as a management trainee. I wanted to get into financial services. I decided to open up an insurance and financial services agency, and as I was I was getting that going, I got involved into running a body shop as well. I did both simultaneously for about nine years. In 2013, I got connected with Fix Auto. I joined the network. We changed our shop, you know, name and just being part of the network with Fix Auto, going to the owners' meeting and getting to know the business owners. It sparked my interest more in, in the collision industry. I liked the challenges. I saw a future in it. I, I felt like I learned a lot and uh, I grew passionate about the business. And in 2017, I sold my agency and decided that the best option for me is to grow into a multi-shop operator. So in 2018, we opened our second location. That's Fixado Brea. And obviously, we've had some hiccups with COVID, but I would say we're headed in the right direction. I'm glad I did it, and I'm very happy where I am.
1: Excellent. Thank you, ladies, for those wonderful introductions. So let's jump into the discussion. Let's talk about success, right? Very loose definition of what success means. But I would say as a female leader in the collision industry, tell us about a success story where you really felt the true impact of your role. Um, why don't we
2: start with you, Pat? Well, After 20 years of working for the same company and doing things like that, it was very engaging to be on a learning streak with a very steep curve to it. We were already a call star at the time that I joined the companies in our, I think we were about 5,000 square feet at that time. Robert was managing the front end on his own, and he had a couple of techs in the back end, burning the midnight oil a lot. All of a sudden, there was someone to represent us outside of the front doors, outside with the insurance companies, outside with colleagues. So there were already activities, meetings, things to attend and represent our business. And let me tell you, things took off. Things took off. It only took probably about a year and a half for us to experience significant growth. We went from doing less than a million dollars in sales to eventually doing uh, our best year was over $6 million. So significant growth in the opening years. And I'd like to think that I had something to do with that.
1: I would say so. That's very impressive. That's cool.
0: What about you, Eve? So our body shop before we were with Abra and Driven Brands, we thought we were pretty good. We had good relationships with insurance companies and we had some really good processes. But we knew that there was something missing. And when we joined forces with Abra, we got what it was we were missing, and so our trajectory in our post-fall star has just been a phenomenal curve up. In 2021, we did three and a half million dollars. We have 18,000 square feet. We have 16 employees. All my estimators are women, and things just keep getting better and our Spokane location, we were able this year to secure a building in probably one of the fastest growing areas in Spokane. And hopefully by the first of the year, we will be opening a brand new 18,000 square foot facility there. And we truly believe at that point that that location will be able to do far more than we do in our Pulse Falls location. So we're really getting excited about getting that venture going.
1: That's incredibly exciting. Congratulations. That's awesome. And Wendy, what about you? What's your
3: success story that you want to talk about? So we started out really small in a garage, Pat working a job and going at night and working in that little garage and me raising the kids Well, he helped. So to watch us grow from that to being able to purchase our first property and grow that little business. And then when we became a car star, we moved into the building that my mom and dad owned. It's a big property that we had other tenants in. Looking back, I think that moment that I saw that we could move into this big building and actually do the work that we do, it just meant a great deal. And it made me realize how we've worked hard. We've worked together as a team, including his brother, our partner. And we've since been able to purchase two properties. We just purchased this property from my mom and dad. And without Carstar leading us there, the hard work that we've done, we just we wouldn't have been able to do it. We knew that a small mom and pop shop we'd just never be where we are today. So I'm very proud of that. And another thing that meant a great deal to me was to be asked to be on Carstar's advisory board as the only woman. I know that they know that my voice will be heard because I'm outspoken when needed to be, and that's what it takes to be in this industry as a woman.
1: I think that's a very true common. and if we had a couple glasses, we'd probably raise them right about now, right? And what about you, Selvi? I know you have a lot, but what would be the one that you would want to share?
4: Well, how I started into the business, I would say that was an interesting story for me. When I got into the business, it was a failing body shop. We went from close to bankruptcy in my first week as a body shop owner We were given an eviction notice. (laughs) You know, I had a ton of debt. I didn't have many insurance accounts. It was difficult at first. Fast forward from 2009 to now, I ended up buying my building in Moreno Valley. You know, my first location, we do about 6 million in sales annually. We have a staff of 30. I'd like to, you know, think I got a good grasp on the business. I had a bigger learning curve just because I didn't have that experience to pull from when I had to make decisions in regards to the shop. So I had to listen a lot more than I talked, ask a lot of questions. At first, I looked at myself as an outsider, trying to understand the business, but I think it gives me a different perspective than others that maybe grew up in it. And I think joining Fix Auto in uh, 2013 gave me a different perspective. I There was a good network of business owners that I learned a lot from, and I would say that helped my business grow. And it was a big part of making my decision to just focus solely on the collision repair industry and and grow within that and make that a long time goal for myself and my family. You mentioned earlier, Sabrina, work-life balance, having the team that I trust to do things correctly, to do the right thing on a daily basis, it's so important And having that allows me to walk away from my business for a few days and be involved with my family and and at the same time being involved in business.
1: For sure. That's probably the the largest challenge I would say. Speaking of, thanks for leading me into the next question, Selvi. Eve, I know there are a lot of challenges, especially now, and probably good to speak in the present time. What would you say is the biggest challenge you're facing
0: now and how are you tackling it? Yeah, I would say that the biggest challenge that we face right now is the tight labor market. So, you know, it's easy to find yourself in the position where you start to worry about employees leaving you for, I call it the shiny thing, right? Maybe they're offering a little more in wages or something different in benefits. And, and I think that, I mean, you have to be competitive. You have to be aware of what's happening in your marketplace. But I think there's something more to it than that. I think if we continue to engage in this, it's kind of a race to the bottom in terms of being able to be profitable. So we look now at how we work on our culture, right? Because that's the one thing that the competition can't offer, the kind of work environment that we have. The other thing that we're very involved with is we have a professional technical high school and a college with a really good collision program. So we work really hard with the high school and the college to basically grow our own techs. That's, I think that's what we're going to have to do in this challenging marketplace. Looks like you're going to be spotlighted for another story soon, Eve. <laughs> <laughs> and, and
1: what about you, Pat? I mean, being on the other side of the border, are you facing the same challenges? Absolutely.
2: Labor is definitely a concern in our part of the world. In Calgary, Alberta, it, it wasn't very uncommon to lose technicians because they're going on the road. They're going to go hot shop for the oil and gas company or go work up north for whatever and make three times the amount of money that they're going to make with us. Uh, So we do see a little bit of volatility and people going in and out of the industry. The other thing that we're experiencing here, and it leads right into the grow your own, our technicians, they're they're getting older and uh, their bodies are getting tired and they're wanting to either retire or move into administrative roles. So, uh, you know, alongside of that, there isn't a whole lot of interest in the young people in this industry. And all of a sudden, trades became not desirable. like I don't understand that because our trades guys, they make a lot of money. they do really well for themselves. and to think that you have to go and have a degree or you have to work in tech or you have to you know be in a startup, you know be an entrepreneur but in some very glamorous something or other, let's let's face it, collision repair is not a glamorous job to have by no means. So we are struggling to find people that want to work in this industry. Just last summer, we actually took an apprentice from his signing in as an apprentice all the way through his four years and graduating with his Red Seal Journeyman license inside of our shop this year. We were very proud of him and the work that he's been able to accomplish with us. And we'd like to do a little bit more of that. We have a high school student in here working on his first year apprenticeship on a part-time basis. So we'd like to see a lot more of that going on in the industry. That's really
1: great. You use that term, grow your own, which I've been hearing a lot Wendy, what does that mean to you and and your business? I know you play a pretty prominent role in the recruitment and culture of your business. So talk to
3: us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we have been massively advertising for help and we keep it pretty open. What we look for is, do they fit in, does their personality? It doesn't, yeah, they have to be talented, but their personality has to fit with our culture because we are very family oriented as most of us are these days. And so it's important that we look for personality and for talent. And then we do grow our own. A lot of our guys out there have been either with us for a long time because we've grown them or they're now moving into those areas. So we look for people in odd places restaurants, stores, if they've got the personality that fit us, we now have five stores we can put them into. So when we took over these three stores, there were personality, we saw conflicts within some of the stores. And we said, well, hey, let's move you here and try you here. We like second chances to employees. One of our employees that left because of a a drug issue, we had to let him go years ago. And we needed a particular job filled. And we ran into him and said, hey, you clean, you sober, you want a job? And he's probably one of our most loyal employees. So, that to us is important. First, culture. And then, are they trainable? Are they reliable? And then we grow them within the industry and within our shops.
1: That's excellent. And, Wendy, you bring up a really good point. And I've heard a lot of franchisees speak to me about the culture and the family essence of of their business, right? Because, like, I'm a true believer that people leave businesses, they don't leave families, right? So, if you can create that culture, from within, you probably have a way stronger shot at retaining um, your folks who won't leave for the shiny, you know, extra few dollars or pennies. Selvi, talk to us about that in your locations. Like, what do you do to overcome those challenges with people leaving? How do you keep that culture tight?
4: Um, having a good team environment is key. Having a clean shop, having the folks that work for us know that they have room to grow. If we have a position to fill, I would much rather look within our business and train that person for the next step and, and fill their position. Everyone that works with us know that there's an opportunity to grow. We recently, out at of a, at a trade school, hired our first female technician. Very excited about that. She comes in with The right attitude. At this point, you know, it's have the right attitude, we'll train. (laughs) You know, I want somebody that's going to be a team player, be willing to put in the effort, have the openness to learn. If I have that person with the right attitude, the right mentality, the right thought process, it's on us to spend time to mentor them, to create an environment where they could thrive and grow.
0: Awesome. Selby
4: mentioned something that kind
0: of sparked me a little bit. And she talked about the fact that she's getting women now, females, showing up in technician positions. And we're seeing that too. I mentioned before that my estimators are female, and they all started with us as CSRs. But very quickly, we were able to assess that they had an aptitude to be an estimator. So that's how we've grown them. But as a Chevrolet dealer, I also serve on the General Motors Women Dealer Advisory Council. I'm the vice chair. And we have a very successful scholarship program for females that are seeking careers in automotive retail And we're starting to see a number of women across the country now applying for those scholarships, going into technical programs, whether it's body tech or whether it's mechanical tech. I think that this is a real new frontier for us. And as female shop owners, we're in a great position to actually usher in this new generation of technicians and estimators and shop general managers. Super interesting. And Pat, in your market, if you think about attracting more female talent,
2: what does that look like? As far as attracting females into the business, if the female technicians are out there, come on in. I've seen two in my almost 20 years with the business. Neither one of them lasted very long. I'm not sure why, I'm not sure if the work was not really that interesting to them or what that might have been. It's not easy for women to get into fields that are typically male dominated, but show us your skill. I mean, for me, I'm going to hire the skill. It doesn't matter if you're a woman, a man, it, it really doesn't matter if you can do the work we're going to entertain hiring you, but I don't get the applicants in there. We don't see the females coming into the trade as you are seeing down there. Yeah.
1: It's very market by market.
2: Yeah.
3: What about you, Wendy? What are you seeing in terms of that ratio? Well, actually the fixed stores that we took over, there are quite a few women in those stores, which we are thrilled about. But um, word of mouth is a really good way. I tell all my ladies that work for us that, hey, if you've got gals out there and guys, but of course, gals, we, you know, they're empowered as well because they've moved up in industry. So when I talk to people and tell them, you know, like if they have daughters and daughter in laws, we tell them that, you know, if they're looking to change industry, don't be intimidated to come into this if it's interesting to you. We have one gal that's a girly girl guess what? She's in the automotive industry. And so it is intimidating. But if you get that word out and you get your female employees to get that word out, that's huge. And that's free advertising that you don't have to do anything for that. Absolutely. Just word of mouth is just an amazing thing. So that's kind of what we rely on. We do get a lot more women in Washington here for some reason applying, but I think that's also because maybe in our store, we're not intimidating. You know, we treat our customers just as we treat our employees. Like they're just as important to us because we wouldn't be here without them. For sure. Selby, you had mentioned in your intro, you had entered through
1: a bit of a turbulent time, body shop failing, a lot of different things going on. What was that like as a female coming into to the industry? What are some of the moments where you had to bite your tongue, I guess would be the better, <laughs> better question to ask. I'm sure you have a few, but what can you share with us?
4: You know, it is intimidating going into an industry where it is male dominated. You know, it was a turbulent time. I look back and it was a great growing experience. I was fairly young. I was in my 20s and it looked like a shop owner <laughs> and I would say the hardest thing is that first impression was always so uh you know, can I talk to the person in charge? Oh, you're I'm the owner. Okay, well, where's your husband? <laughs> right. <laughs> or where's your dad? <laughs> so it was always kind of having to Almost convince them that I'm the one they need to talk to. (laughs) It's perception, which is understandable because at the time, at least 12 years ago, we didn't expect the woman to be the shop owner.
3: So, I have something to say on that. We have our two front office people are women, and we have tried to teach them, and they've done a really good job of that. Listen, you don't have to come get me. You can tell that customer that you have full authority. And if they question you as a woman, you just hold your ground, be respectful, be approachable, listen. And do your job and tell them that you have the authority to make these decisions. And most of the time, they're able to take care of it because we've taught them to have their own value and know that they can do it. And so if you can instill that in all employees, not just women, that, hey, if I've given you the ability to make decisions, make the decision. I'm going to stand by you. That's awesome. And I think, you know, that's some of the coaching I know as a female
1: leader on the other side of the coin in the corporate world. It's, it's incredible. I was just doing performance reviews yesterday for the group and I was very mesmerized by how many female leaders we have now even on the corporate side, it's quite wonderful to see the mix of talent and not just whether it be man or woman, but just the different skill sets, the diversity, the backgrounds. So to know that you have that in your shops, I mean, that's what builds culture. That's what builds retention, right? Because the truth is we all want to come to work because of the people. What keeps us there is the people, right? The paycheck for sure. But I would say these days, people want a home, they want a connection and they want somewhere to feel like they make an impact, right? So all that said, Pat, tell us about a day in the life of Pat Fahey. What does your world look
2: like on a daily basis? Being a family business, it's each and every one of us wearing many, many different hats all during the day. I am now CSR, front end on the desk, along with my daughter, responsible for HR, administration, process improvement, uh, accounting, writing paychecks, and then trying to find time to actually think about the future and do some strategy. Where are we going Next. Uh, it's a lot of hats to wear right now. And I'm looking forward to the day when I won't have to wear so many.
1: Isn't that what we do though? (laughs) It (laughs) We're we're multitaskers, right? I mean, I just smile when you talk because I think to myself, if someone were to ask me, you know, what a day in my life looked like, I could give you my plan of what I'd like it to look like. But nine out of 10 times, there's a bunch of stuff that goes in between. So I'm sure we all have that story. Eve, what about you? What does a day in the life look like for you?
0: Boy, I, I have a lot of irons in the fire. You know, my day is spent actually working with all of the department heads at Knudsen Chevrolet and other holdings and making sure that they're staying on the right thing that they're checking the right metrics that all of the oars are in the water pulling the boat the same direction but I'm I'm truly blessed cuz I have really, really, really talented management. And that allows me to continue to focus on growing Knutson family holdings, whether it's another Abra location or another General Motors dealership. Those are the things that I spend my time working on. Yeah. And you made a good
1: point about the bench, right? Like I'm a big believer that if you have a good bench of people, your continuity is in your legacy, right? Like the business will continue when you decide to hang up your hat um, accordingly. And and Wendy, you also run a very family oriented business, what would you say a day in your life looks like? And how are you planning for your moment in the sun? What does that look like if you're willing to share that with
3: us? Well, if my husband and son keep telling me they want to buy more stores, I'm probably going to leave and go to an island all alone (laughs) and do nothing. Right now, because of the three new purchases, I'm crazy busy. So I am learning to delegate. Delegate is my big word for this year. And so I'm training a girl because I do the accounting, the payroll, the all the bookkeeping, all the legal. I do all of the running the business on the outside, right? So I'm training her and then we take on these three stores and I'm now training one gal to take over those three stores to do that accounting so that I'm not having to do five stores. Right now, my goal, I'm going to make this out loud. I've only told one or two people this. Our oldest will turn 40 in three years. I said when he turns 40, I might go, oh, ooh, I have a 40-year-old. So maybe that's a really good day to retire. I'll be 63. Sounds like a good age. So I'm going to keep delegating. I'm going to keep training. And um, hopefully my people will stay with me long enough that I can do that. It's good to have
1: goals that are about you sometimes too, right? So I like that. That's uh, that's good. And family that's listening, do not hold me to this. (laughs) Fair enough. Thanks, Wendy. What about you, Selby? What does a day in your life look like?
4: I would say, given that I don't have a production background, I manage business by numbers. I look at a lot of different reporting. I get a pulse of how things are going. communicate with insurance partners, vendors. Finding and retaining team members seem to be taking a lot of time lately. I mean, the past couple of years have been incredibly challenging for everyone So it's business, but it's also about personal lives and uh, making myself available or just having that open communication with all our team members. I think that helps with retention, but it also helps us know what's coming ahead of us as well. You know, we talk about for us, it's staff shortages and having to wear many hats, but so do our employees. The folks that do show up have to work harder than they had before to fill in roles and gaps and uh, you know, just, just letting them know that they're appreciated and uh, being available for them to talk when needed.
1: That's a really, really good point. Eve, what advice would you give any female interested in
0: the automotive industry looking to get into it? What advice would you give
1: as a female leader?
0: First of all, I don't think that there are any limits, right? You can go wherever you want to go in your career. And I'm there to support that. I tell all of my people that I will make them ready for whatever their next move is, whether it's within our organization, or they'll even go somewhere else, but they will always be ready for the next level up. And then I would say that just like life, you have good days and you have bad days but don't get discouraged just because you have a bad day. Stick with it. Seek out other women that are in the field as well and add them to your network so that you have somebody else to check in with who can help give you a perspective when you need it. That's just great life advice in general, right? And what about you, Pat? If you had to give advice,
1: maybe even to your own child, what would that look like, especially considering the times we're in?
2: So in addition to what Eva said, I'd like to tell women to educate themselves, be prepared, know what you're getting into. Beyond that, you need to be able to present yourself that you know what you're doing. You probably know more than a lot of your counterparts. You are going to have to prove yourself in the male-dominated areas, especially, you know, when it comes to being a technician. You might have to work a little bit harder. So be prepared for that and do it. If you have a passion for this, let it shine and do it. It's great advice, Pat, for
1: sure. And I think that it's always about the self-confidence and you can train a lot of things, but appetite is not one of them, right? <laughs> People have to want to do it for sure. What about you, Wendy? What advice would you give?
3: Um, first, you know, be confident in yourself, know your worth, all that good stuff. But most importantly, be open about what you want. So if you're a CSR and you want to be an estimator, Don't expect someone to come to say, do you want to be an estimator? Be vocal about what you're looking for, what your goals are, what your guide is in life. You know, I have a fashion merchandising degree, nothing near auto body repair, right? But when my husband said he wanted to open a shop, my first reaction was "Um, no. And then I thought about all the ability that I had that I could bring to the business, because I'm a numbers girl, and I knew that I could bring my worth into the business. So when they could afford me, I went to work and became the partner that I am. But without having that communication, and yes, it was with my husband, but had he been a boss, and I hadn't given him that knowledge that I had, that I knew I had, and that drive that I had, we wouldn't be where we are. So be open, be honest about what you're looking for and be happy where you're working. If you don't like what you're doing, it's not worth going to work. Find what drives you. And if it's collision repair, something in that industry, there's some place for you. It's not just a CSR or an estimator. It's whatever drives you.
2: Love it. What you got, Pat? There are a lot of women in the industry, not on the technician side, but definitely on the front side and the back side of business. The skills are so transferable. It doesn't matter if you're in fashion industry or the auto body collision repair industry. Basic business principles are going to apply no matter what the product is. And I think women probably need to be encouraged that their skills are transferable and valuable in this traditionally male industry. Just because it's a car doesn't mean a woman can't work with it. 100%. You know,
1: we all have very different walks of life and I'm probably the most inexperienced person in the collision repair industry on this call. And and I'll give a little bit of my background if that's okay. And then we can maybe wrap it up. So I'm a CPA, right? I went to business school, went on to become a CPA after I thought I was going to become a lawyer. So I spent most of my career um, in the finance world. Uh, I started my career with Bacardi as an accounting manager and controller. Then I moved into pharmaceuticals. So Global Pharmaceuticals did that for nine years, culminated to director of financial planning. So I was a partner to a vice president of sales and marketing and basically the decision maker. Then I got a call from a recruiter about this role for Carstar Canada. And I kind of went, I don't think I've even heard of Carstar, which was sad because I'm not, you know, I wasn't really a car girl. And I was interested In learning more about it. And I'm glad I was. And I met with Michael Macaluso and it was a very quick process. They sold me a dream of like, you know, mom and pop company. We've just been purchased by this giant beast called Driven Brands in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we need someone with public company experience to come in and kind of help us build a shared finance service, build an IPO ready type of company. I was definitely interested. It was very challenging for me having no experience in that industry. I was the mom of three very small kids at the time. And it was a very scary moment, but I took a chance. I think what kept me going was the people. I was surrounded by people who supported me. Michael Macaluso is just one of the best leaders I've truly ever known. Dean Fisher. I mean, I've just been very fortunate to be surrounded by some great people. And In that role, it quickly grew. I then took over Mako for finance. I took over all of paint and collision finance. And then in 2018, I was asked to completely take a walk on the wild side. And I was asked to run MSO operations for our Mako brand. And I'm like, you want me to do what? Like, I don't know anything about operations. I don't think I've ever even really spent more than a few hours in a body shop since I've been in the role and I was terrified of what that looked like or that I would fail and that I didn't know enough about it. I mean, at least sitting on the finance side, I had a very protected role in the sense that I'm an expert at what I do. So I have that confidence, but putting me into a role where I did not have the expertise was a very scary moment. The rationale behind it was, hey, Sabrina, if you want to grow and you want to become a bigger leader, we see the willingness, we see the appetite and you're talented, but you've got to know how the business runs. If you don't know how the business runs, From an operations standpoint, then you can't truly lead the business. And I took the challenge and I said, let's go, let's get after it. I think in my first year with Mako, I must have hit 200 shops. I've spent time with every owner. I learned how to paint a car, repair a car, sand a car, detail a car. It was just completely out of my element, but it taught me so much. And the most important thing it taught me was humility and the true challenges and struggles of of an owner and an operator. But it's been a wild ride. And that elevated me into COO for Fix Auto. And now I'm the COO of all our U.S. Collision brands. And I'm proud to be one of the only female executives in the Collision group. I mean, I just love the people that I work with. And the growing pains have definitely been painful. But um, I'm better for it. And I stand here and I look back at my journey and I look at all of your journeys and I go, okay, all different. But we all face the same thematic struggle, which was how to be a female leader in a male-dominated industry. And I'll say on this call, we've all conquered it. I think we can all proudly say that. So I appreciate your stories. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your advice. And I think we have an opportunity to dominate and conquer. It starts with just the mindset and the appetite and the willingness and the removing the roadblocks that we all have done. So I'm happy to be associated with all of you. Right back at you,
3: Sabrina. You've been a great leader. Thank you.
1: So before we wrap this up and let these lovely women get back to their crazy day-to-day, are there any closing comments or anything that you'd love to share before we wrap it up?
3: I'd like to say thank you for letting me part of this. I do appreciate all the guidance that Carstar has given us and Driven Brands in general, all the leadership that I see and all the women, like you had mentioned, that I saw at the advisory board meeting. I was truly impressed by The teamwork that you all do in upper management throughout. And um, I truly appreciate all the input you guys give us. So thank you. Thank you. One of the best
2: ways to encourage women in this industry is simply by including them in more of the typically male-dominated roles and aspects. And by that, I mean specifically, don't just have us on a podcast, especially for women. Include us in the other podcasts about all of the other topics, we can speak to those issues. We, we don't have to be segregated into this, okay, we're going to have a special on women leaders. Let us demonstrate our leadership just by participating in the normal activities of the business.
1: Great point. Love that, Pat. Thank you. I'm hosting my first <laughs> podcast myself, so
4: <laughs> I agree. You know, to piggyback on what you were just saying, I've always looked at myself as, okay, I'm, I'm a woman in a male-dominated industry. I don't want to just be perceived as I'm doing great for a woman. I, I want to be a good operator because I'm a good operator. Correct. I have to show the same value proposition to retain employees, to retain accounts, to service customers, to provide a product and continue running this marathon that we're in and be in something long term. So I agree with what you're saying as you know I want to be a great operator because I'm a great human. Yeah, you know, wanted to say that. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. Eve, so when I first got into the automobile retail business, I felt exactly the same way, right? Why should women be treated any differently than men? Why do we need to have our own groups? And so I resisted the idea of an automotive women retail network. And years later, I discovered I had been wrong. I belong now to two 20 groups. One of the groups that I belong to, I'm the only female in the group. It's a best practices group. I get a lot out of that group, but I definitely show up differently in that group than the other group I belong to, which is all women. So when I'm in that group of men, And our moderator asks us, gosh, how is everybody doing? You know, everybody goes around and congratulates themselves on how well they're doing in different aspects of their operations. But when I go to the women's group, we can be setting records, but we show up in that room differently when it's a group of women, instead of congratulating ourselves right off the bat on how well we're doing, we'll lead with where we're most vulnerable, Even if we're doing a good job, we'll start out with, hey, I'm at this meeting because I can do better in this area and I need your help. So it is a whole different feeling amongst the group and we get down to it. We get down to really hard work. One of the other things that being a woman-owned business can afford us, at least here in the States, is that we can apply to the federal government and be granted a women-owned business status. And why that's important is it helps us maybe with government contracts because we're put in a different category, and governments are required to have a certain number of women-owned businesses that they do business with. And we also can get preferential financing sometimes afforded to us through the SBA. So when we want to expand our operations, they look at us differently when we apply for those loans and that assistance. As a woman, right, we should all be really proud of the job that we do. And we should take advantage of every unfair advantage that comes our way. I think it's good to be a woman. Love it.
1: All right. Well, ladies, it's been phenomenal just getting to spend time with you today. And I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules as leaders and do this podcast in honor of Women's History Month. Definitely look forward to continuing to have these conversations on strategy and how we get stronger and how we get better as a unified group of collision brands and collision leaders. I think that's the evolution of everything that we're doing. And I'm a true believer that times are tough. People are tougher. And we will get through the challenges we are seeing because we have the right attitudes because we're willing to lead because we're willing to take care of people. And I don't think that's ever going to change. So I take a lot of comfort in that. Again, thank you. And if you have anything you want to talk about, my door is always open as well and appreciate your time today. Thank
3: you. Thank you. Thank you ladies. Thank you.
0: You're listening to the collision buzz podcast. Please stay tuned for new episodes to come.